careful, you'll get used to temporary in your life. Yeah, temporary. You got to know, it, 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 irrespective of how long some things last, some things may last a long time, but lasting a long time doesn't mean that it's permanent in your life. And, and sometimes we begin to tag the temporary with permanent significance. And so David knew that the tabernacle was temporary. Amen. But the temple was to be permanent. And he wanted to build a great place for the Lord. And so for him, uh, building the temple was a great opportunity. It would be costly. It would be something he'd have to sacrifice, but it would be a great opportunity. And whenever there are great opportunities presented to us, we should seize them, seize the moment. Who would have thought, who would have thought um, the maker of Facebook, the creator of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, I think his name is, the creator of Facebook. And when he was in college in New England, creating a social networking site initially for college students to communicate. And when Facebook hit the waves and people were uh, connecting on Facebook, many non-techies thought that it was just some type of gossip and insignificant um, tool. But who would have thought, who would have thought that a, uh, a, a revolution could take place in Egypt? In Egypt, Egypt, people ran a revolution not by meeting in clandestine meetings, but they ran the revolution by using Facebook, Facebook. And so when this gentleman created uh, Facebook, it was an opportunity he seized the opportunity to do something great. Who would have thought that after 40-some presidents and 40-some first ladies, that our current first lady would use her platform and her position and her power of influence to come into communities across this country and to teach us about the dangers of childhood obesity, teach us about the importance of getting an early start on eating well and exercising. Amen. You know, we have um, Nintendos and uh, Maddens, and we don't jump rope and hopscotch and play hide-and-go-seek and tag anymore. And, and um, one-step, two-step, stop, or red light, green light, stop. And, amen. We don't do that anymore, do we? We don't do that. Don't play... Get, go out in the community and gather about five or six people and play touch football in the streets. Amen. Y'all forgot about that, right? We are inside all the time. But what she's saying to us, that it is important that early in life that we begin to take note of what we're eating and how much we're exercising and that we try to ward off childhood obesity. Who would have thought who would have thought as uh, Senator Obama was running for president that someone would speak to that issue with power, conviction, and clarity? And she saw the dangers in what she did. She used her platform to seize the opportunity. And giving, giving, giving is an, an opportunity. Who would have thought? Who would have thought many years ago after taking a case all the way to the Supreme Court? Who would have thought that Luther Campbell would be running for mayor of Miami, 
Dade County. Who, who would have thought, who would have thought after, you know, who would have thought me so surprised, I, me, so, me so surprised, amen, that Luther Campbell, see all of y'all are not listening to, amen, Yolanda Adams, <laughs> amen, amen, but he sees the opportunity and is taking advantage of it. David saw an opportunity to build the temple to reflect the glory of God. And you know, my brothers and sisters, there will be times in your life when you will have an opportunity to do something to the glory of God. You may not get a plaque for it. You may not get any type of commendation or recognition for it, but it will be an opportunity to do something not for yourself, but for the glory of God. And whenever you have the opportunity to do something to the glory of God, you should seize that opportunity. And I would say to us that becoming congregation that is known for its generosity is an opportunity that we should seize. And here, David, as he begins to cast vision for the building of the temple, we talked about on last week, how he communicated to the leaders of households and tribes and the commanders of thousands and hundreds and the officials in charge of the king's work. And so he spoke to the leaders, and it says that the leaders were leading households and tribes and hundreds and thousands. Now, if you're not leading anybody, you're not a leader. Y'all quiet. Amen. Position does not make you leader. Title does not make you leader. The leader is the one that the people are following, irrespective of whether they have a title or not. And so David spoke to those who had influence over households. So here we see, uh, and, and for, your, for, your, for your worksheets, um, note that leaders cannot lead and feed unless the congregation follows and swallows. Somebody has to lead and feed, but then somebody also has to follow and swallow. Now, I know, I know that can be a little tough for some of us. Some of us don't mind the leading and the feeding part if we're doing the leading and the feeding, but everybody needs to follow and swallow. Somebody say amen. In other words, everybody needs to be in a th under the authority of someone or under the mentorship of someone. We need to all take our cues from someone. We also need to get instruction from, I wish I had somebody say amen. They don't look at me like, like I'm crazy now. Some of us uh, have, have grown to where we say, well, I don't need nobody to tell me anything. But yes, you do. Yes, you do. All of us need someone in our life who will lead us and feed us, who will point us in the right direction, but not just point, but walk in the path that we are aspiring to travel. And so someone leads and feeds, but congregations have to follow and swallow. Congregations can't lead. Don't y'all get quiet on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, the con congregations can't lead. If we follow the congregation, we're going in 800 different directions. 
I wish I had somebody say amen. Yeah, we go 800 different directions. Some want to stay in Pembroke Pines. Some want to move to Miami Gardens. Some want to form this and some want to form that. But you have to follow leadership. Amen. So, so, so you cannot have a culture of generosity until we learn what humility and what it means to be under authority of God and under the authority of godly leadership. Yeah, the church is not the Kiwanis, amen. The church is the house of God, the Bible says, which is the pillar and the foundation of truth. And without controversy, it is God's house, and God sets order in his house. And so as part of congregation, uh, as our leaders lead and feed, we follow and swallow, amen. Amen. And if the food is good, if the spiritual food is good, you'll also grow. And if you grow, you'll also go. Amen. And as you go, you will tell others what God is doing at your house. Somebody say amen. Look at what David did. David spoke to the leaders. He spoke to the leaders of households. So congregations are made up of families, made up of families, made up of families, the Jones and the Smiths and the Moors and the Washingtons, the families. He spoke to the leaders of the family because often within congregations, there are large groups of families. You may not know they're related, but you got to be careful who you talk to and what you say in church. Amen. You got to be careful what you say because what you'll find out that the person that you're talking to is related to the person that you're talking about ah, ha, ha. oh yeah you got to be you got to be careful you got to be careful and so what he did he spoke to the leader of family because in every family there's a leader there's somebody who speaks the word and everybody else falls in line then it says he spoke to the leaders of the tribes and the leaders of tribes are cultural connections the leaders of households are family connections but the leader of tribes are cultural connections cultural connections cultural connections. In other words, if you are a, a, if you are a part of Omega Sci-Fi, that's a cultural connection. If you are a Zeta or a Phi Beta, God bless you, Sigma, you, that is a cultural connection. If you are a part of the Lynx or the Masons or the Eastern Star, that's not family, that's cultural connections. And so there are people who have cultural connections. They want to be where their uh, membership, people in their organization worship. So P David spoke to them. Then he said he spoke to the commanders of thousands. These are regional connections. Like there are people who live in South Florida and they, they work in South Florida, but they say, I'm from Georgia. Or they might say, I'm from Jamaica or I'm from the Bahamas. They do it better in the Bahamas, but I don't know why you're in South Florida if they do it better in the Bahamas, but that's what they say. They do it better in the, in the Bahamas. They're, so those are regional connections. There are regional connections. There are some people who live in Dade who don't go to Broward. Amen. And some people who live in Broward who don't go to Dade. There are regional connections, regional connections. I'm from Liberty City and I'm from Scott Projects, the poking beans. I, that's where I'm from. I'm from. Yeah, I may live someplace else, but if somebody pull out a, a, a Campbell's can of poking beans, I, 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 I have to get with my peeps. Amen. I'm from Carver's Ranches. Yes, I am. I may be living, I may be living, but I'm from Carver's Ranches. Those are cultural 
connections that, that and, it, and right now, if somebody says that we're having a picnic in Carver's Ranch, and some of us are leaving out of here right now because of the cultural connection. So David spoke, and then he spoke to the king's workers, those who led the king's workers. Those are professional connections. You know, some of us won't join the church unless it's got a couple of lawyers or doctors or judges or got somebody who's a CEO of this or the CEO of that. We've got to go where there are some professional people that have some affinity with where I am in my own so-called professional life. Some of us are not there. We're just trying to get there. Amen. But, but, but we want to be in an environment where there is a rich resource of cultural attainments. And so what David did, he spoke to those leaders who led those persons who had jobs. Amen. He spoke to the leaders of those who had jobs because those who have jobs have salaries. And those who have salaries have money. And those who have money could invest in the building of the temple. Amen. So you have these family connections, you have cultural connections, you have regional connections, you have professional connections, but then it says they were given to the Lord's house. What ties us all together, whether I'm a Johnson, whether I am a Sigma, whether I'm from Carver's Ranches, whether I have a job, what ties us all together is that we're all in the Lord's house. I wish I had. It's a spiritual connection. You see, a spiritual connection uh, will, will, will minimize all of my other connections, you see, because the Bible says that when we are born again, that your spirit will bear witness to my spirit that we are children of God. And as, as a matter of fact, a spiritual connection transcends all of my other connections. Once I'm connected with God spiritually and with Jesus spiritually, every other connection becomes insignificant. And so here we see David speaking, taking advantage of the opportunity to speak to the leaders. Now, notice uh, in verse 9 it says, Then the people rejoiced because of their leader's willingness to give. Um, For your worksheets, genuine joy, somebody say joy. Genuine joy about vision. Genuine joy about the vision fuels the support from the congregation. Listen, my brothers and sisters, I want you to write this down. You cannot do great things for God with your lips stuck out. Amen. Yeah, you cannot do great things for God with your lips stuck out. If you are a powder, if you are a murmurer, if you are a complainer, if you are one that can only see negativity, if you are one that sees obstacles as a reason we should quit and stop rather than get excited and go forward, you can never do great things for God as long as you are a powder and a complainer. As a matter of fact, Paul said in one of his letters, do all things when you mop the floor, sweep the floor, dust your room, do all things when you clean up the bathroom, when you put gas in your car, do all things when you have to go into your work tomorrow and you got to face something that you'd rather not face. Do all things without murmuring when you have to raise your kids, when you have to repeat the same thing to one of your children five, six, seven hundred times. Come on now. Do all things without murmuring and complaining because murmurers and complainers will kill a vision. They will kill forward progress. They will kill your spirit. They will kill your energy. They will sap 
your excitement. Uh, do all things. And it was joy, joy in the congregation. When, when, when the people heard that the leaders were about to do something great, they got excited and began to rejoice about the opportunity. Amen. The Bible is a book of joy. What I like about the Bible is balanced, but it tilts towards joy. The Bible does not, does not eliminate the suffering and trials of life. The Bible does not try to cover up and pretend that if you know God, you won't have any trouble. Amen. That's, that's not the Bible. That was, used to be the prosperity preachers. I don't know what they're preaching now after the recession. I don't know what they're pre- preaching now if they've changed that. But the Bible never did say that every day was going to be a good day. The Bible never did say that you wouldn't have any trouble, you wouldn't have any sickness, that you wouldn't have some days that your finances wouldn't be whacked. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says in this world, you will have some tribulation. But, but it, but it says, but, it didn't stop there. In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I wish I had somebody knew how to be joyful. Be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Everything that you face Jesus has already overcome it by the power of God the Bible says the Bible says weeping will endure for a night there will be nights in your life when you will turn your television off take your iPod out of your ears you will shut your cell phone down you will lay in your bed and you will wet your pillow in tears but that's just for the night oh yes you will cry and you will sob but that's just for the night the Bible says weeping will endure for a night when you get the news of what's going on in your child's life you'll weep that night when you discover some stuff that you didn't know was happening in your marriage you will weep that night but the morning is coming I wish I had some help in here the Bible says joy come on now joy comes in the morning yes yes the Bible is a book that tells us about suffering tells us about challenges but it leans towards joy Yeah, Sister East, our four parents used to be bold talking about joy. Didn't have any money, didn't have any education, couldn't even drink out of a decent water fountain and had the nerve to talk about this joy that I have. The world didn't give it to me. Had the nerve to talk about I will bless the Lord at all times. Washing clothes on a rub board in a number three tub. Got the nerve to say I will give God the praise. Got to walk to work and then work all day long and walk back home from work and got the nerve to say bless the Lord oh my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name they knew about suffering but they leaned their lives towards joy you got to know in the presence of a great opportunity how to rejoice how to rejoice in the Lord. Well, David took advantage and he seized the opportunity to present to his leaders who would present to their congregation an opportunity to build a temple. Listen, you know want to note this. Nothing 
will test our capacity to rejoice like an opportunity to give. You can test the quality of one's relationship with God by how we respond to an opportunity to give. Why are y'all so quiet? Joy is the first response of a congregation that says, let's do something great for God. That's the first response. And so we want our congregation to be one that has authentic joy and authentic excitement about an opportunity to give to the Lord. The congregation for your worksheets, the congregation that fosters generosity, sows the seeds of future prosperity. In other words, you cannot give to God without God giving back to you. I would tell you this. You don't want to, if you don't know anything else about God, you can't beat God giving no matter how hard you try. It is impossible for you to give to God and for God not to give it back to you. Three passages of scripture, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse one and two says in the King James, cast your bread upon the waters for after many days, you will find it again. The message translation says, be generous, invest in acts of charity. Charity yields high returns. Don't hoard your goods. Spread them around. Somebody need to give some shoes away. I can feel that in my spirit. Yeah. Be a blessing. Be a blessing to others. Be a blessing to others. This could be, they said, be a blessing to others. Why? Because this could be your last night. What you don't want to do. You don't want to breathe your last breath as a stingy person. If you, you know you've got to go, but if you're going to go and if you're going to leave this earth, you want to leave with generosity on your hands and generosity on your lips. Luke chapter 6 verse 38 says this, give away your life and you will find life given back. But not merely giving back, but giving back with bonus blessings. You know, King James says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosoms. That's King James 1611 language. But let's just put it in contemporary language, bonus blessings. I like blessings, but I like, bon- oh, I wish I had some help. I like bonus. You see, y'all don't understand that. You like your paycheck, don't you? Don't you like your paycheck? Paycheck is what's coming anyhow. Breathing, that's coming anyhow. Yeah, yeah. Walking around, that's what's just standing. But bonus blessings is when God brings something you wasn't expecting. God brings something into your God brings something into your life that you didn't pray for you didn't ask for you didn't work for only thing you did was woke up and here you got a bonus in your life God does something you intended for your child to graduate from high school but they walking around with a PhD that is a bonus blessing you intended just to lose some weight but look at you you running 10 miles every day that's a bonus blessing God will do some great things that you never planned you intended to start going to church 
but look at you. You're leading the ministry. You're leading a growth group. You, you, you getting, you, you, you're leading young men and young women into a relationship with God. A bonus. Blessing. You can't beat God giving. Then 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9 speaks about he that sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. In other words, he said, don't have the attitude about giving. What's the minimum amount I can give? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, some people, that's the only thing they want to know. Well, what's the minimum amount? Sometimes you need to take a step of faith and, 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 and take a step. If you can't go to the top, move somewhere be, beyond the bottom. Come on now. In other words, give bountifully and abundantly. God blesses us abundantly and extravagantly so that we can be a blessing to others. You know, sometimes what happens when we talk about generosity in church is that you can hang around God so much, so much that you can forget that he is really the source of all of your blessings. Yeah. Story, supposedly a true story about Muhammad Ali. He was traveling someplace. United States is on the plane sitting in first class. They'd already closed the doors and stewardess asked him to put his seatbelt on. He told the stewardess, I don't need no seatbelt. She said, Mr. Ali, it's important that you put your seatbelt on as part of the rules of flight that all passengers fasten their seatbelt, particularly on takeoff. And he looked at her, he said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. She said, well, that might be true. She said, but Superman don't need no plane. (laughs) And sometimes what happens in life, we get so used to the blessings of God that we think that the blessings are all about us, that we really are all of that. But the blessings that we have received in our life are nothing but a direct result of the generosity of a loving God who loves us more than we can ever imagine. We would not have what we have. We would not go where we've gone. We would not know who we've known except God had been good to us and blessed everything that we received. In other words, David said, all things come of thee, O Lord, and of thine own we have given to thee. Sometimes we forget. We forget who is the author and who provides us with the blessings. So Tony Evans says that there are three types of givers in the church. He said some church, some church persons are like flint, others are like sponges, and some are like honeycombs. Those who are like flint, you have to hammer them to get anything out of them. And the only thing you're going to get are chips and sparks. Those who are like sponges, the only way you get anything out is you just have to squeeze. You have to squeeze the sponge to get the water out. The more you squeeze it, the more water comes out of it. But not a honeycomb. A honeycomb just oozes. I wish I had somebody say amen. It just oozes with honey. You can't touch a honeycomb without getting some honey 
on your hand. In other words, when a person understands what God has done for them, when a congregation understands corporately what God has done for them, it ought to produce a, an atmosphere of generosity. In other words, when you understand how good God has been, you ought not have to be primed into giving, prodded into giving tricked into giving. Somebody doesn't have to come down the aisle with one arm, a one-armed man talking about how tough it is. You ought to be ready to give because of the goodness of God in your life. You don't have to stand in $20 and $30 and $40 lines being promised a blessing that's going to come. Don't you know you can't buy a blessing from God? Doesn't matter which line you stand in. The amount of your gift does not buy a blessing to God. God is not looking for the size of your gift. He's looking for the size of your heart. He's looking for what's coming from your heart. $20, $30, dollars $1,000 lines don't get you any blessings from God. It's what we give from our hearts. As we close, as we close, a culture of generosity starts with a culture of sacrifice. You cannot despise sacrifice and create a culture of generosity. Now, sacrifice is a bit offensive because it takes what we have claimed as our own and we put it in a position where we cannot ever access it again. It's a bit offensive. It's sort of like on my grandparents' homestead where they live. If you were to go there with me, you stand in the front yard, and if you were just getting out of your car, it's 5 or 6 in the evening, you might say, what's that smell? What's that smell? What's that smell? And so somebody will say, what, what, what are you talking about? He said, I smell something. Well, say, well, well, what it might be, about 20, 30 miles away, there's a place called Regalwood, and they have a paper mill there. And in the paper mill, uh, those who work at the paper mill, the paper mill puts out, out off this sulfur, and you smell it for 50, 60, 100 miles away. And so those who come into the community and smell it, it is an offensive smell. Or you might be, what you might be smelling may not be the paper mill as it's getting late in the day. Up on the hill there, uh, the hog pen is there. And, and there are hogs in the, the hog pen. And hogs, um, hogs produce a very offensive smell. Now, that's, you ask that question when you're not from there. But, you see, because you're not used to it. You don't understand the power of an offensive smell. In other words, if it wasn't for the paper mill, Uncle Joe down the street wouldn't have a job. I wish I, it smells bad, but it provides food on the table for so many people in our community. You see the Little League baseball field that's built right over there? The, the paper mill built that Little League baseball field. The library that was built in our community came from resources donated by the paper mill. I know it's a little offensive, but that is what 
we were willing to deal with in order to reap the benefits. But, you know, I don't know if you were smelling the paper mill or whether you were smelling the pig pen. Because, you see, the pig pen, in just a few minutes, uh, grandmama's going to call us to come in. And I understand grandmama has pork chops uh, prepared today. And, and, and I know it may smell kind of bad, but the pork chops that you're going to eat uh, this evening when you eat dinner are going to come straight from that pig pen. And guess what? Tomorrow morning for breakfast, uh, grandmother's going to get up about 5 o'clock. She's going to go out into the smokehouse and she's going to pull some smoke ham down from the smokehouse and going to cut you off a slice. Uh, yeah, she's not going to forget you. I know it smells bad, but we're willing to endure the bad smell for the benefits. Yes, yes. Yeah. And so what she's going to do is cook you some ham, but I want you to know that the ham came from up there on the pig pen. Not only the ham, but the pork chops came and the shoulder came and the bacon came. We don't have no smoked turkey out here in Curry, North Carolina. We use fat backs for our greens. Oh, yeah, we do. But the fat back came from up there on the hill. Yeah, we don't always buy our pig skins from down at Winn-Dixie. We make our own pig skins, but they came from up there on the pig pen. Let me tell you sometimes, my brothers and sisters, sacrifice is offensive. But I want you to create a community where you get so used to it. Come on now. You get so used to it because you know the benefits that are going to come if you sacrifice. If you sacrifice unto the Lord. I just want somebody to write this down. If you sacrifice unto the Lord, God has a blessing that's going to run you down. I wish I had somebody here that knows what I'm talking about. You cannot sacrifice to God without God pouring out blessings in your life that you don't have room to receive. And so in a culture of generosity, there's also a culture of sacrifice. And we coexist with it for so long that we don't even notice it. Or we begin to notice after a while are the benefits that come from the generosity that we have displayed. Somebody clap your hands and give God.